I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And just like that, we're back. It is the Late Kick Extra podcast. I'm Josh Pate. Wall to wall Q&A this morning. We're going all over the place. This is the best kind of pod. Because this is one where you guys gave me about 80% hardcore in-depth college football questions, even though it's the blank season right now, because we don't use the word off in conjunction with the word season around here. They're two separate words. They should never be joined. Having said that, even though it's that time of year, you guys have delivered with a lot of good questions this morning. 80% football, 20% other things that we're going to tie loosely into football, because it's a really active week. And it's been a really active couple of weeks. You guys have noticed, if you're listening and if you're watching on the YouTube channel, we've been trying some different things. It's not like any permanent change. I mean, we've pretty well figured out what you guys like. We've got a regular format, obviously. But this time of year, we can try some different things out. I do want to tell you, though, I've gotten a ton of really good feedback from the Late Kick Show Owners Association meeting that we did. If you listen on the podcast forum, you heard the audio from that. If you watched on YouTube, you saw the entire video. That was our first time ever doing that. We did not do a trial run. Producer Jordan and I, we just said, let's go. We teed it up. I think we got somewhere between 20 and 25 of you in there. We had hundreds of submissions. And so obviously we got to do more of those. I've got a benchmark that I want to hit. It's different. So stay tuned for that. It's a different one. I'm going to let you know when we're going to do one of those again based on this benchmark. But I'm saying all this to tell you we figured a lot out in that recording to where next time we're going to have that thing streamlined. And I'm not saying it was bad. I enjoyed it. It was really good. We got a really good audio and video product out of it. But I think the next one we do will be that much better from the learning experience we had there. So as we typically like to do, you guys are included in every aspect of this show. And that includes the live on the fly formatting of the show. So thanks for that. That was a really good success. It turned a lot of heads. um, Got a lot of good attention. Some attention is bad. We got the good attention on this one. Item two on this morning's agenda. Late Kick merchandise is close. And I'm telling you, we got some good stuff. I, I would wear this. okay? And you know I only wear one shirt a week. So... Even if I would change my wardrobe to wear this stuff, it's legit. Here's what I don't want to do. I've said this once before. I'm going to say it again. I'm not looking to rush anything. We're not looking to put garbage products out there in these itchy t-shirts. I'm not looking to do that. If we're going to put our stuff on it, it's going to be quality. So you can rest assured I'm not putting anything out there until it is quality. When it is, though, you guys are going to like it. You notice I've been a little bit quiet on that whole Pate State situation. You know, we were looking for a mascot name. Well, we've arrived at a mascot name. I'll let you know in due time. Because that bad boy is going to be slapped on a t-shirt and it looks great. We already got some early designs on that. It looks great. If you were privy to the Late Kick Show Owners Association chat, which only 22 or 23 of you were, you got probably the most exclusive piece of information I've given out to date on Late Kick since I've been at 24-7. And that is the identity, the name of the mascot for uh, Pate State. You guys came through. Really good ones. We had multiple people come with the submission that I finally landed on. Equally, if not slightly more impressive is the list of submissions that finished runner-up and third and fourth and fifth. We had some really good ones. I mean, we got heavy, heavy interaction on that. And the reason I'm holding off is because, like I just said, I want to debut it when I'm ready to put something in front of you that's tangible, that you can put your hands on, not just a name. Let's see, a third piece of business this morning before we dive in. I really appreciate the feedback you gave me on 
the chat that I had with Steve Wolfong and Brandon Huffman. That was the late kick live for Sunday night. Right now, because we now have a full production team that works on the late kick live episodes. I mean, guys, a full production team that you're doing as well. Uh, they're up in Connecticut. Well, they are with CBS and they are obviously knee deep in March Madness coverage right now. So we're having to move our broadcast schedule around a little bit. And since I knew that last show would be pre-recorded, I said, you know what? Let's take something that a lot of you have asked me for and let's get Wilt Fong and let's get Huffman on here and let's do just this incredibly deep dive behind the scenes of the world of recruiting. I think we only scratched the surface on what we could really talk about. But I always know when I'm recording with Wilt Fong or when I'm talking to these guys, I always get to witness a lot of things that I know you guys would just be like frothing at the mouth to be able to see or hear. So I wanted to bring you a little sample size of that. And we got really good feedback on that. Some people, and I understand this, you may see an in-depth recruiting conversation and you may tune out. You may not be interested in that. That's okay. What I tried to do with it, and I think we did a pretty good job of it, is I did not tailor it to the strictly hardcore checking the player rankings five times a day recruiting fan. Yeah, we tailored it to them, but also I tried to give it a more casual flavor to where it had more broad mass appeal because I got a lot of compliments from people who told me readily, I don't really follow recruiting all that much, but I found this interesting. And for the record, when we talk gambling on this show during the season, yeah, I mean, we give out picks and we do this and that, but I try and talk about wagering in a way that appeals to another really large portion of the audience that does not bet a cent on sports. There are a lot of you out there. You never bet on sports, but yet you may be fascinated by the odds making process. Well, I mean, that just means it's my job to put out a product that's every bit as appealing to you as it is to the guy who's living and dying on whether I have a strong lean on the first half total in the Purdue, Indiana game Saturday night. So I think we've got all of our orders of business out of the way with that. Let's dive in this morning. We've got a number of questions. Let's rattle through these. First up is Charlie. Charlie says, which team do you believe is capable of making the jump up and becoming the next true powerhouse of college football, just like Clemson did five or so years ago? Charlie, I don't know if I see a Clemson on the horizon, you know, that's imminent in their rise. But then again, that's part of it. We didn't really see Clemson coming either. I would say Texas A&M off the top of my head, Oklahoma, Georgia, all of these are programs that are fully capable of it, yet they haven't done it. They haven't won a championship yet, at least in the modern, modern era like we're talking about right now. I didn't think all of these speak for themselves. I don't think any of those names, when I listed them, make you go, huh? How could Oklahoma do it? Oklahoma's there every year. I mean, they're winning 11 or 12 games every year. It's just that you got the big boys in their way still. You know my feelings on Oklahoma. I feel like they're probably not just the most top-to-bottom talented product coming this year that Lincoln Riley has had. I also think they're the most balanced product. You're not going up against Oklahoma again in a playoff game and hanging 60 on them because they can't get off the field. They can't make a stop to save their lives. You may beat them, but I don't think you're going to beat them in the same way. So they're formidable. I mean, Georgia's already been to overtime of a national championship game in Kirby Smart's tenure. They're a contender every year. They've got a loaded roster every year. And then the third one that I mentioned was Texas A&M, not in that order necessarily, but I think maybe people will take the most, uh, new word alert, umbrage, with me saying Texas A&M. It's the same new word alert part two umbrage that they take when I say Texas A&M is one of the five or six best jobs in America. I don't hesitate to say that, but I know a lot of people third time take umbrage with that because they just haven't seen it happen there. By it, I mean results. And I think some of you, I don't have a problem with this. I just differ in opinion. I think some of you have to see the results before you'll believe it's possible. To me, there's no skill in that. To me, The skill is seeing around the corner, seeing things, being able to picture things and envision things happening before they actually occur. So with Texas A&M, yeah, if they won a national championship, it would be a shock to a lot of people, Aggie fans included. 
But I don't think the shock should be in that you never thought it was possible. Maybe the shock is that, well, you didn't see it. Now you've seen it. But thinking it's possible. I mean, what in the world do they lack out there? They lack quarterback. That's what they lack. It's not hard. I mean, if they've got a star quarterback out there, if they had, since we're talking Clemson, if they had a Trevor Lawrence walk in the door, if they had a Deshaun Watson walk in the door, A&M's an immediate national championship contender, and that's even existing in Alabama's division, existing in the SEC. They're still a championship contender. So all of those, I think, fit that description, Charlie. I think the one off the radar may be Oregon, pending Ty Thompson's development as an incoming quarterback. Oregon would be interesting because they would potentially set themselves up to be a West Coast version of Clemson. Let's say Clemson, in your eyes and mine, was a program that exploded at the exact same time the ACC was very watered down. So you and I watched them for a while be able to gear up and sort of use their conference schedule as glorified practices to get ready to peak at the right time. Well, what if the Pac-12 never collectively rises to the level that Oregon is rising to? I mean, the roster is loaded and becoming more loaded with every elite recruiting class. They've got, presumably, quarterback in there now. What if they explode out there, but the rest of the Pac-12 doesn't? And what if we watch Oregon on the West Coast just lay waste to the Pac-12 like Clemson has done for a number of years with isolated exceptions, obviously, in the ACC? So those are, I guess, the four I would go with. Georgia, Oklahoma, A&M, Oregon, in no particular order. Charlie had a follow-up here. He said, which southern town or city would you recommend to visit on a Saturday afternoon for a college football game? Charlie, this is a totally unfair question because there's no way I'm giving you one. Athens comes highly recommended. Auburn comes highly recommended. If you're a diehard college football fan and you've never been to Tuscaloosa, Alabama on a big Saturday game day, go, go. I don't care if you're pulling for anyone who's there. Go to a game. Be in Tuscaloosa for a big Saturday game, like when LSU rolls in there. It's like a sensory overload. The the color patterns, the crimson and white, it's awesome. I think their stadium, architecturally from the outside, is the best-looking stadium in the SEC. I think they've done a great job on those two end zone upgrades over the past... 10 to 15 years or so. But I'll also say this, that there are a lot of places where the city shuts down and or revolves around the university. Alabama is that, Tuscaloosa is that, but also it's like being in a snow globe and someone shakes up the snow globe, except instead of snow, it's just history and pageantry and tradition. No one has to say it. You just feel it. You just see it everywhere. It's just college football being done at the highest level possible. I've been to LSU quite a few times, been treated as well down there as I've been treated anywhere. Love LSU. I have a soft spot in my heart for South Carolina only because they have train cars outside the stadium. The Cockaboose. That's what it's called. I didn't make that up. It's a beautiful name, by the way. But anytime you can feature real life rail cars right outside your stadium, I don't care if you're 0-12. I'm putting you on the list. But look, I got to stress, this is not an exhaustive list because I could do, truth be told, about a two and a half or three hour podcast just on experiences on game days at these different places. I mean, there is not a bad stop in the SEC. They've got tailgating and pregame and atmosphere down to a science. The one place I have not been that I have a sneaking suspicion is going to really impress me if and when I finally get up there is Arkansas. I've not been to a game at Arkansas. I finally got Texas A&M off the list two years ago. Blew me away. And I really think Arkansas would be awesome, too. So I've got a lot of places still to go. I've been a lot of places. Got to get up to the Big Ten a lot. I know this question was about the South, but it's so great, man. It's why I keep going back to being so aggravated when we get into the playoff conversation and it extends then to this whole tripe about how we need to be more like the NFL, this and that needs to be more like the NFL. No, it doesn't. In fact, if I were the rest of the sporting community, I'd look at what college football atmospheres were like, especially if you were fortunate enough and blessed enough 
to be able to travel and be around these places on a game day. If I were the rest of the sporting world, I'd be looking to duplicate that, not be ignorant enough to be inside the college football bubble looking out and saying, we need to be more like the outside world. No, no, you don't. You got a very special thing going. If you're a big time college football fan, don't trade it for anything. Next up is Michelle with a very important question. She just says, you chasing Wednesday? Most of you would have no clue what that means. I know good and well what it means, Michelle. Yes, my storm chasing team out of Columbus and Auburn is already geared up. There is a big severe weather outbreak, by the way, coming for you guys in Mississippi, Alabama, probably western portions of Tennessee, too. So be very on guard Wednesday. You can't say you didn't have a warning because I'm giving it to you right here on the Late Kick Extra podcast. Yeah, Michelle, we are headed down uh, probably tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and I will be staging either just in Columbus or maybe in Montgomery, Demopolis, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi. Those are cities that we have circled to probably stage. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm on a storm chasing team. We've done it several years. The rotation has changed a bit, but the core of our guys have always been there. So we're expecting a long, active, very dangerous day on Wednesday. Those STPs, those significant tornado parameters really, really spiking. So kind of a catch 22 because the human side of me and the property owner side of me hates to see it. However, the atmospheric science nerd side of me loves to see it. So we will be out, Michelle. Yes. So keep an eye on my Twitter account or Instagram. You never know what in the world you could see. And Lord willing, I'll be back Thursday morning here with some good stories. But if you don't hear from me Thursday morning, you know that um, it was a late, late night and that very well could happen. C. Waters is up next. He says, with the talk about top programs lately, it sort of sounded to me like you had Oklahoma listed ahead of Georgia. And I was just wondering why. Georgia's recruited better. They have a playoff win over Oklahoma, no less. Plus, when Georgia has lost, it's been to more talented teams like Bama or Florida, whereas Oklahoma last year lost to Iowa State and Kansas State. Yeah, I don't really have them above Oklahoma. I, I have those programs as comparable. I think what this is stemming from is the talk that I sometimes do about Tier 1 programs. So Bama's there, Ohio State's there, Clemson's there. I consider Oklahoma there. I consider Georgia there. Really, the fairer way to do this is just to give Bama their own tier. And then talk about all the other programs in the sub-tier. I mean, if we're putting them all in Tier 1, you've got to differentiate Alabama. I mean, they're on their own level. And then if you want to put Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, if you want to put them all there, I have no problem with that. If you want to argue with me that Clemson should have priority because they've won a couple of titles, I'd be fine with that too. The point is, they're all in the conversation. Like when these teams are on the field with each other, the point spread is single digits. So they're all comparable. And I said, you know, I sound a little madder than I am. I don't know. I need to calm down a little bit here. But my point, Seawaters, there is I don't have them listed above. If you wanted to argue Oklahoma's better because you think Lincoln Riley's a better head coach, and from this point moving forward, since they figured out quarterback more and now defensively they look pretty sound, they're a better program than Georgia, I wouldn't argue with that. If you were to come back to me and say, okay, they still got to prove it, Georgia's got the head-to-head win, and until Oklahoma's won a playoff game, Georgia should get the nod, I have no problem with that. The point is they're comparable, and if they played tomorrow, point spread would be four or five points either way. A good little side bet though. I mean, if you had to bet your next year's salary on this, who would you have winning a national championship first? OU under Riley or Georgia under Smart? Just think on that. Just let it sizzle. Justin up next. He asks, am I out of touch in believing the NILs being drafted include no compensation from the schools or conference? I understood it to be student athletes would just be able to receive payment from outside services, nothing to do with TV rights, etc." So here's what Justin's asking. With name, image, and likeness legislation coming up, it's going to go through eventually. What is supposed to happen is me, a player, a four-star wide receiver playing for Miami, 
I'm supposed to be able to, you know, sign an endorsement deal to advertise for a local insurance company, or I'm supposed to be able to go do an autograph session. I'm supposed to be able to do those things. But Justin is right. Justin, you are right in theory. And I want you to notice the emphasis on in theory. You are right that this stuff, this money, so these payments, this revenue, this compensation to a player, it can't come from the school and it can't come from TV rights packages. That's not where it's coming from. So this is strictly a player being able to earn off of his own name, image, likeness, etc. Now, Justin, here's where the pretzel really starts to form. Okay, now picture yourself as a head coach or a booster who's looking to get ahead and you're looking for any angle you can. Let's say you are a booster of X university and that's the rules. Them's the rules they just gave you. And they're telling you, nope, you can't just be paying this kid to come to that school. But what you can do is you can pay him for an autograph session. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you put together one and one there and what does it equal? Well, it equals me taking the money I'd hand you in a sack and just saying, never mind. Never mind, kid. Hey, Justin, four-star receiver. Justin, come over here. I'm going to pay you. Let's see. What's the market rate? Oh, forget it. I'm going to pay you 80 grand to do this autograph signing here. What's that? You say there's a limit. You say there's a cap on how much I can pay you. Okay, Justin, I'm going to give you 10 grand. And then I'm going to find 10 more of your closest friends and I'm going to give them all 10 grand. They know where that 10 grand is supposed to end up. This is the pretzel, Justin. How in the world do we legislate this? And I want you to remember all the while we are trusting a governing body in Indianapolis, Indiana, that cannot take a leak without getting the front of its pants wet. So how are we legislating this? And then secondly, you can write rules all day long. How are you enforcing those rules? So Justin, what you said is technically true. Thus the emphasis. Technically, you're right when you say, yeah, NIL is just what it says it is. Name, image, and likeness. The TV money shouldn't matter. The yearly revenues from the school shouldn't matter. No, it shouldn't matter. But now we pause, Justin. And you and I look each other in the eye and you wink and then I wink and then you nod and I nod and we all get why this is going to be so complicated. Oh, moving on. Candace is up next. Candace says, I want you to assume I have your taste in music. What's a song you would bet $100 I've never heard and another $100 I'd like? Candace, I got one I was just listening to when I left the office today. Again, the assumption here is that you've never heard this song. You have my taste in music and I'm betting 100 bucks you'll like it. The song is called... Savannah Fare You Well. It's by Jimmy Buffett. I'm not the biggest Jimmy Buffett fan in the world. This song sounds unlike any Jimmy Buffett song I've ever heard. Savannah Fare You Well. It's really haunting. It's really well written lyrically. I mean, the music's top notch. Jimmy Buffett can afford such things. So Savannah Fare You Well is a good one. And also probably one that you would not picture me listening to. I had a buddy the other day ask me, hey, what's a song you listen to that no one in a million years would guess you listen to. I love the song Lonely Weekend by Casey Musgraves. I love a few of her songs, actually. But Lonely Weekend is great. I heard it one day, ironically, leaving the 24-7 sports offices. Now, this was back when we could still be in there, so it was this time last year. Lonely Weekend by Casey Musgraves and Savannah Fare You Well by Jimmy Buffett. Candace, those are my two recommendations. And if you're looking for a third in the spirit of storm chasing, which I'll be doing this week, straight off the Twister soundtrack, it's not Fleetwood Mac. It's Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. The song is called Twisted. Excellent duet there. It is about sort of the marriage, metaphorically, of relationships and storms. Beautifully done. Moving on, Ben. You know, Ben actually has a question eerily similar to a question SEO Ducks asked me. And it's just about all the uncomfortableness and the turmoil and the upheaval in the West. The Pac-12. How in the world are we going to fix all this? Well, I got a very simple plan. I'm going to share it with you when we come back. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So the combination from Ben and SEO Ducks here was essentially... If the Pac-12 continues to deteriorate and the AAC takes its place, could USC and Oregon eventually be looked at as similar to Cincy and UCF and Memphis, that no matter if they go undefeated, people won't let them in the playoff? The answer to that, Ben, is yes. That's a scary proposition. What Ben is essentially asking is, if the product erodes to the point where they're no longer looked at as a Power 5 quality product, even though technically from a TV money perspective they are, and from a college football playoff seat at the table perspective they are, if the product loses what little remaining credibility it has on the national stage, what separates their undefeated conference champ from being treated like, let's say, Cincinnati this last year? The answer, Ben, is nothing. And in fact, I think that is the AAC's best temporary shot. You can talk about conference expansion. You can talk about all these things long term. I think short term, that's what I'd be angling at. I'd be shouting from every mountaintop and putting billboards up in every major city I could. And I would be spreading the message if I were the AAC that you can keep your Power 5 label. Just understand we are part of the Power 5 now. We've got a superior product to the folks out there on the West Coast. Their loss is our gain. So, Ben, you are right in having that fear. And then SEO Ducks kind of asked the follow-up. He said, do you think for the Pac-12 it's more important to hire a great president commissioner? Or do you think it's more important for a team like Oregon or USC to become nationally relevant? as breaching that tier one group for the conference to gain back respect across the country would be paramount. Well, therein lies the problem. So yes, the short answer would be if Oregon really pops, I mean, and they start to put up dominant seasons every year, that would be great for Oregon. It would be great. It would gain notoriety for Oregon. I don't really think many people would correlate that to, okay, here comes the PAC 12, no more than they've really correlated Clemson's rise to that being a rise of the ACC. And so if I were to look at it, I wouldn't ask about an either or. I would ask for both. I would need Oregon and USC to be a perennial top 10, at least a top 10 caliber product. Any given year, you could could explode and you could be number one or number two, maybe you're number eight next year. But just give me a consistent top 10 product and then let the rest of the conference chase you. Let's see what Arizona State can do. Let's see if UCLA can get their act together. What's Jimmy Lake going to do at Washington? But right now, what are you chasing out there? 
even with Oregon looking as impressive as they have, they haven't firmly planted that flag yet. It's still too early to know that. I can think it, but it's still too early to know it. So these are two really good questions. I think the most important thing there to answer the second question is, yeah, you got to get you a good commissioner, but that really bleeds into what are you going to do with your TV deal? That's really what that bleeds into. And I know right now there's a lot of attention on, oh, the SEC is going with ABC and Disney and and ESPN, and let's see where the Big Ten's next TV contract takes it. I think right now there are some who still think in terms of big traditional or legacy networks. That's not what the next round of TV deals is going to look like, especially for the Pac-12. Your next round of TV deals isn't CBS versus Fox versus ABC. Your next round of TV deals includes names like Amazon at the table. In fact, in the media rights sphere right now, kind of listening to some of this stuff behind the scenes, that's what everyone's angling for anyway. Everyone wants to build a product and create enough brand flexibility to where they can seamlessly transition from traditional legacy media to new age digital platforms like Amazon, Netflix, etc. Right now, you know, I think you may look at Netflix. Let's just pick them out of a lineup and say, Netflix, that's the place I go where I want to watch movies and TV shows. Well, that's what it is right now. Instagram, when it was first up, was a place where your sister and your girlfriend went to share recipes. Well, what is Instagram now? You know, so these platforms evolve and what they are right now versus what they'll be next time it's time to negotiate a TV rights deal in five years, 10 years, 12 years, whatever the case may be, especially considering there are going to be other players in that arena that don't exist yet. That's the way to think about this. And that's the sort of forward thinking mentality. Whoever ends up being the next commissioner out there has to have. Let's roll on here. Uh, Josh is up next. He says, have you ever hurt or injured yourself celebrating something that happened in sports? Oh, boy. Let me just, mm, this is going to be tough for me. Oh, let me finish the question first. Josh says, I ask this because a few years ago when Florida threw that last second Hail Mary touchdown against Tennessee, my immediate reaction was to jump up and cheer. And in the process of doing so, I pulled my hamstring. A follow-up question, if you have done so, was it worth it? For me, it was. <laughs> It sucks, man. Oh, this answer sucks so bad. So yes, I have done it. And it was far less consequential. There was no national television audience. When my senior year of baseball was approaching at Harris County High School, we were doing conditioning, probably January. So it's freezing, which explains what I was wearing in a second. And that's germane to the story. So we're up on the football field doing conditioning. I hate conditioning, hate it. And I'm not saying anyone loves it, but I hate it disproportionate to the next closest person who hates it. Hated conditioning. Largely thought it was used more as a filtration process in baseball than an actual reason to get you in shape because I would always watch TV and I'd say, Coach, Bartolo Colon is a major league baseball player. I don't need a six pack. It's great if I have one, don't need one to play this game. I understand what conditioning is really used for. It's, it's no different than three a days in football. So we're up there on the football field doing conditioning. It's cold. I'm wearing receiver's gloves. I'm wearing football receiver's gloves. Now, one thing about me you should know, as much as I hated conditioning, I could jump out of a gym. I'd been able to dunk a basketball since I was a sophomore in high school, and I didn't play basketball. Still to this day, I don't really care for basketball all that much, but I had the ability to do that. I could flat foot dunk under the goal. Didn't even need a running jump or anything like that. So I would deke people into betting me money that I could not dunk a football over the goalpost. In reality, I could do it with ease. But I would hustle them, essentially. So I get a guy up to about 20 or $25, which, I mean, was borderline wealth for us in Harris County at that point. And so I dunked the baseball. It wasn't even a football. It was a baseball that I dunked over the goalpost. And I used to like to add emphasis. So I'd hang on that goalpost. 
Well, I didn't mean to hang. Okay. I kind of got my body and my mind went two different directions and it's freezing cold. So remember I'm wearing those tacky, sticky receiver gloves. So I decide with one arm to let go. And with another arm, for some reason, it just out of muscle memory decides it wants to hang onto the goalpost. Well, the problem is I didn't brace my body for it. And so I did. My hand stuck. That glove did exactly what it was intended to do. It stuck to the surface it was touching. And so my full body weight pulls down on my shoulder, tears my rotator cuff. There goes my senior season. I did get the $25. I do want to stress that. It did not cover medical bills fully, but I did get the $25. But the trade-off was I had to DH my entire senior year. I won the batting title at Harris County that year, which I very well should have because I had nothing else to do. I didn't see a single inning of defense. Also, one other thing that happened that I just now remembered, but I don't think it was in celebration. I gave myself a sports hernia during Power Clean Max Day in the Harris County High School weight room. And to be perfectly honest with you, I did not know at the time what a hernia was. All I knew was it looked like someone had lodged a golf ball under my skin right below my abdomen. And so if you've ever had a hernia, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, here's the thing about a hernia. If you have not eaten breakfast yet, stay tuned in. If you're eating it right now, you might want to skip ahead about 30 seconds. The thing about a hernia is it's just muscle that is torn through the lining of your stomach, essentially. Well, you can push it back in because where the tear is that it came out, you can push it back in. Well, I was terrified of surgery. To this day, this is the only surgery I've ever had to have. I eventually got it operated on. But I went that senior year without having it operated on. And when it popped out, I just push it back in, you know, kind of a scenario, not with the sound effect. I just wanted to put that in for reference, but I had that and I had an ingrown toenail. It was hideous looking my senior year and the torn rotator cuff. So we got the torn cuff. We got the ingrown toenail. We got the hernia and we still took home that batting title. It's not really a happy ending, though, because I got to say this or else 15 people will remind me when they listen to this. I did K to end our playoff run against Crisp County. There was a kid named Dwayne Farmer, still remember the name, who pitched for them down there, shut us down, and um, yeah, struck out to end our season and to end my high school career. So yeah, batting title did not matter one iota that afternoon. Let's move it along. <laughs> I'm in a pretty sad mood now. So let's move it along. Brent sounds sadder than myself. He said, after all that has happened around Tennessee lately, the opinion of our program is pretty low. I have even gotten in a few arguments with my fellow fans about this. Do you think the public opinion matches what is actually capable of happening around this program? The answer, Brent, is no. People think Tennessee's time and capability of competing at the national level is past. I think that's laughable. I don't think they're anywhere close to capable of it right now. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't think they're close to ready to do it. They are not properly positioned to do it. But that's just because of poor hire after poor hire after poor hire. I mean, let's just put it this way. Okay, this is an extreme example. If Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day or Nick Saban, if they were to go to Tennessee today, do we honestly think Tennessee would still be mired in 500 or worse football for the next decade? The answer is, of course not. The right coach there would turn it around. They would recruit at a high level in the region. They would recruit at a national level. Nothing has changed about the capability there. Obviously, the fan buy-in is still there. Financially, they wouldn't be taking some backseat to where they had to nickel and dime their way to hopefully competing every third or fourth year in the East. They have not had the right head coach. It's as simple as that. Get the right head coach in there and everything else will take care of itself. Let's wrap it up with Matthew this morning. He asks, could you talk about the wild career of Jimmy Sexton? Why does literally every coach have him as their agent? Matthew, it's just because he's the best and the guy's the best at playing the game. He is the best at maximizing the earnings potential and value and probably even overinflating the market value on a lot of his candidates. 
if you have time, just Google Jimmy Sexton. Go read the stories. I mean, I think he, he was roommates with Reggie White back in the day. I think he went to Tennessee. He was roommates with Reggie White, ended up representing him. That's where he got his big break. But I'll tell you this now, he pounds the pavement for his dudes. You don't see him on TV ever, but we see him all the time if you're covering games. So I'll be at the biggest games in the country, normally a lot in the SEC, and he is Saban's guy. He was Malzahn's guy. He's Kirby's guy, Jimbo. I mean, he's got them all. Pretty much he's got them all. And so you'll see him. He'll be right there. I remember when's the, probably the last time I would have seen him, well, it was the national title game. But before that, I remember it was raining when Texas A&M played in Athens. They played Georgia a couple of years ago. And uh, you stand at the top of a ramp. The way the visiting team comes into Sanford Stadium is buses pull up, and then there's this really steep ramp. It's like pro wrestling ramp. And they walk down. It's concrete. Got to be careful you don't slip. And there's Jimmy Sexton standing up there in the rain. Guy's got the net worth of a small country, and he's standing right there, right next to me in the rain, waiting for Jimbo Fisher to pull up. And he just shakes his hand, gets off the bus, wishes him good luck. And Jimmy Sexton's work, well, for all I know, is done for the day. Now, in reality, the work there never stops. But what happened, Matthew, is he developed rapport. And word gets around really quick in this industry. And here's the other thing you know. If you're an up-and-coming coach, not only do you know Jimmy Sexton, he can get you a lot of money. You know about the networking. You know about the kind of work he does. Because you've watched your peers and you've listened to word of mouth. The coaching fraternity is one of the most closely knit communities and fraternities that you will ever come across. It's like skull and bones, but with a football instead of something far more sinister. And these guys cannot even stumble upon a great squash casserole recipe without passing it around to their entire network. So if they find the right agent, you better believe they're passing that word of mouth along to everyone else in their network. All right, before you go, don't turn it off quite yet. I know I promised you something at the beginning. Here is the next benchmark we're going for. As soon as we hit this benchmark, we will immediately start to schedule the next Late Kick Show Owners Association meeting. Last time, it was let's get over 13,000 on Twitter. This time, I'm sending you to a different platform. I've been talking to some of you, and I have listened. So it's time to grow this Instagram audience. You can find me on there. Late Kick Josh is the account. I mean, my name is normal, Josh Pate, but the account is at Late Kick Josh. Find me on Instagram. Give me a follow there. I am at, let's see, uh, I mean, I've never taken Instagram all that seriously, so it's like 1,500, uh, 1,115. Let's get that thing to 2,000, and we will schedule our next Late Kick Show Owners Association meeting, Late Kick Josh, on Instagram. Look it up. Make it happen. Thank you so much for listening to the Late Kick Extra podcast this Tuesday morning. For Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.